we get started, I want to start with a little story. So while I was in the uh, Marine Corps, we did these things um, called moto runs. And they were super, super exciting. And they often fell right before we had a big weekend. So we would call them 72s or 96s. And we would have these moto runs, with motivational runs, where we would gather together, normally around 6 a.m. in the morning. And they were around three miles, three to four miles, and we would run. And the reason they were called moto runs, not because we were overly motivated to run, it was because they would force us to motivate the troops to run. So what they would do is we would run next to the platoons, and we would call cadence for the platoons. For those of you that have heard it before, it sounds something like, Halef, 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 Raleo. And you hear that on the bass, and, and it sounds crazy when there's like hundreds of them doing it, right? So we would do that just about every time before we'd have a 96. And I was in an infantry company, so big, big company, you know, 140, 160 Marines sometimes. Four different platoons running down the road, yelling and screaming the whole way. And, and what was so interesting, and the best part about them was the motor run wasn't a big deal, because once you got to the end of it, you were off, man. You were on your day off. It didn't matter. I mean, you still had to deal with people not filling out paperwork correctly. That always happened. But you were done, and it was something to look forward to. And then seven, the 96 before Thanksgiving was always great, and it was which, because you would run and burn all those calories the day before Thanksgiving which means you ate guiltlessly on Thanksgiving Day. It was amazing because, for those of you that haven't done something like that before, it's significantly harder to run three or four miles and yell at the same time. If you don't believe me, try it later this week. Try just running and yelling at the same time because you got to yell loud enough not only to be heard but to be heard clearly because the cadence doesn't just stop at a left, right, leo. The cadence has got a C-130 rolling down the strip. Like, it's got to be something big. So, I mean, you want to talk about drenched in sweat, burning calories? That was it. Moto Runs did it for us. Now, all the other Marines didn't care because it was just the NCOs that had to call cadence. And then the lieutenant's up there just getting it, right? He doesn't care. He sets the pace and breaks everybody off. But that's what we would do right before Thanksgiving. So it was guiltless freedom eatings, what I called it. They were free calories. Didn't matter because I just burned like 700 the day before, and then I was so stressed out with the Marines getting them out the, out the door on leave that it was great. So nowadays, nobody pulls me out of bed at 6 a.m. to go running and yelling at Marines anymore, which I can't say that I'm super upset about. So now, instead of just guiltless eating, it's just eating. The amount hasn't changed, but it's just eating. I've just, you know, kind of offset it a little bit. Uh, not really. I don't, I don't really offset it. I just kind of make it up on the back end. So I hope you guys had a happy Thanksgiving. I hope you had some amazing dinner and turkey and, or whatever, uh, whatever your, your, your celebration is. Maybe it's turkey. Maybe it's not. But I want to talk about the first Thanksgiving for just a second because it'll set us up for where we want to go today. The first Thanksgiving was in 1621. Those of you that remember from high school, you know this. It was between the colonists, and I'm going to do my best. So if you are a school teacher, please do not get after me. But it's the Wampaganog Native Americans. Okay, I have, I have tried all week to say that correctly, so please have mercy on me. 
all right? But the Native Americans, early in 1621, earlier that year in the springtime, they suffered an endemic, which really, really hurt the uh, young men and women of that tribe. So they were vulnerable. The colonists had barely made it through a summer area, or barely made it through the wintertime, and they knew the summer or the wintertime was coming again later in the year. So they were nervous. They didn't know how to really get food. They didn't know how to handle any of that stuff yet. So what ended up happening was the Native Americans and the colonists came together and they said, hey, there's all these other Native American tribes around here. And the Native American tribes absolutely would kill one another and the colonists. So it wasn't a big deal for them to go kill another American or Native American tribe. So what they did is they got together and they said, hey, colonists, you guys have protection. You guys have guns and you have the manpower to do it. We, as Native Americans, have the knowledge to go ahead and set up your food so we can make it through the summer. You, you protect us. We'll work together and we'll kind of make this work. They did that over the summer of 1621. And then the very first Thanksgiving was 1621 in the fall. Now, I don't know if it's November 25th, but, or the fourth Thanksgiving, or the fourth Thursday in the year, but I would like to think that it was, because they would do it right after the harvest. They'd bring it all in, and it was a big, big celebration, and that was the first Thanksgiving meal, proving once again, and you've heard me say this numerous times, that community is key to survival. Neither one of those individuals or groups would have made it without the other present that day. And believe it or not, your life is the same way. You would not be here if it wasn't for somebody who helped you get here. Now that happens in the tangible way, right? Like maybe they helped you financially or maybe they helped you, you know, figure out you know, how to set up your house or how to buy a house or whatever. Maybe they helped you in that regard, but maybe it's just by the intangible things they taught you how to be a good person, how to be a good man, how to be a good woman, how to be a good husband or father or mom, right? Maybe they taught you those kinds of things. But I'm, cer- I'm certain, certain that if I was to give this microphone to any one of you, you could come up here and you could absolutely tell me things or somebody that you were thankful for because you would recognize, hey, I wouldn't be here without them. And you, know, and you know those people. As soon as I said it, some of those people came into your head. You know, and maybe you're sitting next to them where, hey, if it wasn't for them, you wouldn't be where you are today. Now, here's another thought, equally as important. When's the last time you said thank you to that person? When's the last time you showed gratitude to the people who helped you get to where you were? We talked last week about the importance of being thankful in the position that it actually uh, has on your heart and the position that it has on you when you are thankful when just a natural position of thankfulness. But today, I want to talk about something that we don't often do. In fact, some of us aren't comfortable with it all the time, or maybe culturally it's not a common thing to do. But last week, we talked about the specifics of science and how scientifically there's tons of benefits of just having a thankful attitude. But did you know that receiving thanks, receiving gratitude, has a positive effect on your physical body also. It actually causes the release of dopamine and serotonin when somebody else expresses gratitude towards you. So being thankful is beneficial to you, and expressing gratitude towards somebody else actually is beneficial to them. And here's the truth of it. Um, Receiving gratitude is equally as important as feeling it. It's equally expressing it is equally as important as feeling thankful. 
I've felt thankful many times. But it doesn't necessarily mean anything until you express it. Because isn't it true that you like it when people say thank you? I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, I am far more likely to do something for somebody who was thankful and grateful when I did it. They don't even have to give me anything. They don't even have to give me anything. They could just be so thankful. And knowing that I helped them is enough for me to want to do it again. But if I don't know, it comes across as something totally different. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a couple minutes. But you know, you've probably experienced this before in your life. You've had somebody who did not say thank you for something they probably ought to have said thank you for. There was one of the times we were doing one of the many different food drives that we do, and I was brand, there was a family that was unable to come out and receive the food at the location that we were giving it. So they, they wanted me to bring it to their door and called and asked for it and everything like that. Um, they didn't prep ahead any time or sign up or anything, so we took the extra time, made sure we had enough food for them, and then we took it to their door. And I remember the interaction. As soon as the door opens, she grabbed the food that I had for them and pulls it in and says, are they still doing a food thing up at the, there was a different place she was asking about. And she's like, are they still doing the food drive up there? And I said, I don't know. I'm not associated with that. We're part of the church doing the, helping you guys out here. And she said, okay. And then turned around and went back inside. Now, for some of you, your blood pressure went up when I, when I said that. And for some of you, you're like, wow, right? But in those moments, and you've had them too, where somebody just did not express gratitude. And the absence of expressed gratitude is often filled with ingratitude, isn't it? I mean, a lack of expressed gratitude is the same as ingratitude. It's the same. It may, not, it may not totally be the same in your head and in your heart because you think, no, I'm, I am. I'm so thankful for what he did. I'm so thankful for what she did, right? But, I mean, the truth is, is that a lack of expressed gratitude, the same as ingratitude. You understand it because you felt it before. You felt that when somebody feels like they're not being thankful, even if they are. It's why showing thanks and showing gratitude is so important, especially to the people whom we love. Because isn't it true those are the people we take advantage of the most? We can just be real for just a second. So Luke actually records a moment in Jesus' life where the expression of gratitude is very important to Jesus. Normally we don't see that, or normally we don't think about that stuff, but you can see it in a story that Luke records, because remember, Luke thoroughly investigated all these things, and this was a story that he thought was so important that he needed to include it in his gospel. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Luke chapter 17 as we start on this journey here today. Luke is, remember, he's writing to the Greek aristocrat Theophilus, and remember Jesus is a traveling rabbi, so he's moving from place to place around the area of Galilee, okay? That's important, because now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem with his his posse, right? Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. You know the Samaritans, they're not friends of the Jews, right? We've known that, we've heard that many different times. They're not friends. In fact, there was huge racial tensions, and there was religious tension too. So they didn't get along really all that well. They believed in the same God, but there were some things that they just kind of grinded against each other's gears uh, religiously. So as he was traveling between the border of Samaria and Galilee, 
As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, leprosy was a, a group term. It typically meant any type of skin disease they associated with leprosy, and they kind of stuck that group together. The reason they called from a distance was because they were like, oh, leprosy can be easily spread person to person. And they were completely removed from society. So what would happen is they weren't allowed in the village. There was not a, like a leper block in the village. The lepers had to live outside of the village. What made it even worse is the disease of leprosy actually causes severe nerve damage. And that severe nerve damage makes it hard for individuals to tell when they are in danger. So it's been documented that people who have leprosy on their hands will pick up a boiling pot of water and not feel any temperature change because of the deadening of the nerves inside of their hands. Consequently, this leads to deformities because they can't they can't stop things that hurt because your you know when something hurts that's your body's mechanism to say get away from it. They don't know when something hurts sometimes depending on how severe the leprosy is. And it results in them losing fingers, losing toes, losing parts of their nose or parts of their ears because those are the places that the nerves begin to deaden first. So not only do you have a group of individuals who are segregated from society, they look like they should be segregated from society because they are considered at this point a danger to society. And they're also viewed to be cursed by God. That's what a physical ailment like that was, was to be cursed by God. So this was a big problem. And again, calling to Jesus from a distance because they've heard of the miracle worker named Jesus. So they know a little bit about him. And they think, oh man, at this point, he's healed a couple of different lepers. So maybe he'll heal us too. And a whole group of them calls out to Jesus. And they say, Lord, Jesus, master, have pity on us. And he saw them and he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, when I read that the first time, I was like, there's a missing section. There's a missing section because Jesus didn't do anything. It's like you're walking into the building and walking into the village and they're like, Jesus, we need a miracle. And he says, go talk to the priest. What? Well, that doesn't help Jesus. I mean, come on, we still have leprosy. Jesus, what are you saying? And what's even more so is in that culture, they were considered ceremonially and religiously unclean. So they could not go to the temple. They couldn't even get into the city, let alone get into the temple. In fact, if they were to go to the temple looking like lepers and having leprosy, they would have been thrown out by the Jewish guards or even worse, the Roman guards, maybe even killed before they even got to the temple. And when Jesus saw them, he didn't perform a crazy big miracle. He didn't make a big scene or anything else. He simply tells them, go and show yourselves to the priests because that was the custom after you had been healed. After you'd received a miracle, you would go to the priest and show yourself to the priest so that they would have records of all the healings and they would have records of the movements of God. So that's what was expected. They said, go, Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priest, almost as if he knew that they were going to be healed. Although if they looked at themselves, they probably and likely weren't. So Jesus says, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, as they went. So they moved before they received the miracle. They were obedient before Jesus gave them the miracle. 
Now that is a whole nother sermon that I just don't have time to dive into, but that is absolutely significant. A physical ailment, they are believing and expecting Jesus. And remember, if they get to the temple and they get to the village and they walk into that joint, they are going to get thrown out or possibly killed. And as they went, they were truly walking by faith. Not just the Christianese term, but they were walking, believing that Jesus was going to heal them because he behaved as if they were already healed. And as they went, the text tells us, they were cleansed. They were cleansed. Exactly what Jesus expected to happen, happened. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back, praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And here's the kicker. He was a Samaritan. So he took himself and threw himself at Jesus' feet. One of them came back and expressed gratitude for the miracle that had been poured out on him. One of them had made the decision to go and be thankful to Jesus. One of them completed the gratitude circle. One of them put the energy to do it. Now, I am certain that they all had plans on what they wanted to do should they ever be healed or had things on our list of things that they wish they could have done, but they couldn't because they were lepers. But now they're healed. So maybe they wanted to go watch the Super Bowl, but they can't hang out with their friends at the party because they have leprosy. But now they can go hang out with their friends at the party. They can go enjoy their time together. They can go do things. And the other nine, from all best we can tell, they left and did those things. But the one came back. The one took the time. The one expressed gratitude to the one who healed him. And Jesus asked the question, we're not all ten cleansed? Weren't all 10 of you cleansed? I mean, it's almost like Jesus is kind of playing a joke. I hear this in a very sarcastic voice. Like, wait a second. Did that not take? Do I need to say it again? I thought I said, said, go and show yourself to the priest. And then as you go, you should have been cleansed. We're not all 10 cleansed? And to, to which the other guy's probably like, oh, no, they were all cleansed, Lord Jesus. They were all cleansed. They ain't back. They didn't come back. And Jesus asked the question, where are the other nine? I mean, they were all cleansed. Jesus like, I know they were all cleansed. <clears throat> I did it. So where are the other nine? What happened to them? And he asked the question, has no one returned to give praise to God? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And this isn't meant to be a backhanded thing. This is meant to be Jesus drawing a clear distinction in a clear, obvious point that the location of an individual or where they came from didn't matter anymore. What mattered was the heart of the person. What mattered is the position of their heart towards their heavenly Father. And Jesus is making the point, you mean to tell me the guy who doesn't believe what we believe, the Jews? You mean the guy that hates the Jews who was healed by a Jewish rabbi is the one that came back to say thank you? But the other nine are nowhere to be found. It's almost like Jesus is saying, hold on a second. Um, You mean to tell me none of them, none of the other nine could have been bothered to come and say thank you? I mean, come on. 
And the truth is, the other nine missed their chance to complete the circle. No, now, no one is not, no one's saying they didn't feel it. Nobody's saying that they were not thankful. I'm certain they were thankful. I'm certain that they were just so grateful. But they didn't express it. And so Jesus' response to the lack of expressed gratitude is, it must have been ingratitude. Because they didn't express it. They didn't express it at all. In fact, you understand this, especially if you're a parent. There's times where you, your kids receive something, and what's the first thing you tell them when somebody gives them something? Say thank you, right? It's almost like it's a time-sensitive thing, right? I mean, it's almost like there's a time attached to it that after a certain period of time, it just doesn't mean as much. And we can't fully quantify what that is, but it's the ex immediate exchange of something. We give, we're grateful. We give, we're grateful. It's immediate exchange. When that immediate exchange is broken, there's an issue. Now, I'm not saying that you should never go back and say thank you. You should absolutely go back and say thank you if you've missed your opportunity. But there's something special about that small little window when it happens. There's something special. For all we know, those nine could have came back and seen Jesus and said thank you later, but Luke didn't think it was important enough to write down if they did. But that one coming back was important enough for him to write down. So as you, as you think through this, and we think through this, we see the importance of expressed gratitude in the life of Jesus. And he even says, come on, nobody came back? Just one? I healed all of them. And just one expressed gratitude. And again, expression matters. Expression matters. Because unexpressed gratitude feels like ingratitude. It's the same thing. So when you take, 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 doesn't matter how much you are thankful. It matters how much you express thankfulness. So it matters how much you express thankfulness. And then ingratitude really feels like rejection. It feels like I didn't need you. It feels like I appreciate it, I'm just going to take. It doesn't even feel like the individual cares for you at all. It feels like they're absorbing whatever it is you're giving them, whether it's financial resources, emotional resources, right, relational. It doesn't matter. It feels like they're just absorbing it. And they're not actually giving anything back at all. And arrogance, this is going to be a little uh, issue, arrogance is actually born out of ingratitude because you think you don't need anybody. And sit in ingratitude long enough and you will become arrogant. Sit in a place where you're not thankful long enough and you will become arrogant. And it comes across as arrogance because it communicates, I could have done it without you. When you don't say thank you and when you don't express gratitude to those around you who helped you get to where you are, it basically communicates, I could have gotten here without you. I don't need you here. You're a nice to have. You're not a need to have on this journey. And there's no greater offense, especially when you talk about a loved one, than to have that type of attitude towards them. Now, this is a sickness. If you are a driven person, this is a sickness for you, and you have got to be extra careful about it because we, and I, I do this sometimes too, we will blow through things, not slowing down, not recognizing who helped us get to where we are because the tendency is to say, I got here. I did it. 
But the truth is, if we look back over our life, we've seen time and time and time and time again that God has created a divine appointment between you and somebody else, and maybe it's you and your parents, maybe it's you and your wife or you and your husband, maybe it's you and a friend that has really been there for you the whole way, maybe it's you and it's your son or your daughter. Whatever it is, you've noticed that these things have happened along the way. And to sit back and not show gratitude says, I don't need you, and I don't care. That's why it's so important when it comes to our loved ones that we express gratitude because it breaks the relationship. And gratitude breaks the relationship because it's almost a rejection. But when you express it, a trust is exchanged. I can give and it helps you and you will fully receive and you will appreciate it. There's a trust that's built in that immediate giving and gratification that happens right afterwards. Because remember the question Jesus asks. He didn't ask why they were not there. He just asked where they were. He didn't say, well, were they kind of thankful? Did they kind of appreciate it? I mean, they kind of liked it, right? I mean, it was kind of good for him. You know what? I bet, I, bet they had a, I bet he had a wedding to go to. That's probably why he couldn't come and talk to me. You know, I bet he was so, and she was so busy, and there was that sale at Target, so she really had to get out the door, and it's okay. Jesus didn't say that. What he said was, where are the other nine? As if it's an expectation that they should have been able to fulfill. And you've had that moment just like Jesus, right? Where you've done something for somebody, and you sit back and you go, they didn't say anything. They didn't appreciate me at all. After all I just did, after all I gave, after all the time I'd give up, I have given up this week, I mean, after all the energy that I've spent, all the emotional energy that I've, done, uh, that I've given, all the relational energy, I mean, they just didn't seem to care. Where did they go? And you've thought this before. You've thought this before. And the most immediate response, if we're just being honest, and we should because we're in church, believe it or not, that's an expectation. The honest thought is, that's the last time I do anything for them, right? You've had it. Those words may have come out of your mouth. That's the last time I do anything for that guy. That's the last time I do anything for her. Because you sacrificed something and they weren't appreciative. You don't even need anything back. That's the strangest thing about gratitude. You don't need them to come back and give you the money back. You don't want the money back. You just want them to say, that helped me so much. Thank you for the time that you spent. Thank you for the energy that you've just given, right? That's all you want. That's, that's all it is. It doesn't mean you need something back. You just want an expression of gratitude because you sacrificed something. And the inverse is also true. When they begin to continuously express gratitude, isn't it true? You'll go to the ends of the earth for people like that. You'll really help somebody over and over and over again if they express gratitude consistently to you. And they're like, man, dude, the thing you did, that was so bad. That helped me so much. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful I have you as a friend to help walk me through some of these times. I'm so thankful I have you to help me figure out how to purchase this car, Mom. I'm so thankful that I have you, Dad, to help me figure out to start this up. Dad and Mom, I'm so thankful, right? When those things happen, I mean, you're just, you're just really willing to help those people again than you are 
otherwise. Because naturally, the position of our heart, we naturally drift towards gratitude. Naturally drift for a deeper relationship with somebody who expresses gratitude. And neurochemically, we know this is true because an interaction with that individual causes consistent release of dopamine and serotonin. So you want to be around that person more. You don't feel like you're taken advantage of. You don't feel like that you're being taken out to dry. You feel like you're helping. You feel like it's a relationship. But you're not a cash cow. And you're not just a relational bank that they can come and pull from whenever they want to eventually overdraft. Because again, it's not enough just to feel thankful. You have to express thankfulness. So this week, and as we go forward in this time around Christmas, I want you to focus on closing the loop. Close that gratitude loop. Express thankfulness to the people around you. Because this time of year, we're doing things for each other all the time. Express thankfulness to them. Be thankful for who you're with. And it's good for you, and it's good for them. And here's something I want you to do if you're married, okay? And this is going to be a little bit different. Maybe you already do this because some of you are amazing people. Maybe you don't. But this is so evident in our marriages. This is so important and evident in our marriages. Too many times we take what our spouse does for granted. It just happens. We don't often say thank you to our husband or to our wife. In fact, we have it as, a, as, as this is the standard and here's the expectation. Let me be very clear. There's not always an expectation and there's not an expectation when you get married. Okay, There's some that you two agree on, but you cannot just sit there and be the individual who sucks up all the relational energy. You can't be that person because eventually that marriage is going to suffer. So here's a challenge that I want you to take this week if you have a spouse and you're married. This is it. This is what I want you to do. And my, I had a pastor tell me this almost eight or nine years ago. And after that, I started, me and Leah started doing this, and it just made our marriage better. I want you to be thankful for the regular things. Just say thank you for the normal stuff. That's it. They unload the dishwasher. Hey, thank you for doing that. It doesn't matter if it's their night to do it. It doesn't matter if it's her turn to do laundry. It doesn't matter who it is. I just, hey, thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing it. Leah does the laundry every single week. And I come in and I always say, thank you for doing the laundry. Would it still get done if I didn't say thank you? Absolutely, because she's a machine, right? She's a superhero. But I express gratitude because I want her to know how thankful I am to have her in my life. I want her to know how thankful I am for the time and effort and energy that she sacrifices to do those things. And I make dinner almost every night. And almost every night, she expresses gratitude towards me to do it. Brandon, thank you for making dinner. What am I going to do, not feed my family? I mean, dinner's still going to get made, even if she doesn't say thank you. That's going to happen. But it builds the relationship. It's a normal thing that we can't take for granted. So this week, and this is going to be a challenge, so I encourage you to write it down. I encourage you to put a reminder on your phone, put a, put a sticky note on your window, wherever you're going to see it. Remind yourself to be thankful to your spouse for the normal stuff, 
the stuff that we take for granted, stuff that we don't pay any attention to. Because the truth is, without them, you wouldn't be where you are today. And you can argue and you can say you would, but we all know that you wouldn't. And deep down in your heart, you know you wouldn't either. That it's because of their love and support that you're there. So be thankful for the normal thing. Be thankful for the regular stuff. Just express gratitude consistently. Be a thankful person. And if you're a teenager, you want to get your parents to drop dead? Say thank you. I'm not playing. You want to see, you want to see, yeah, go ahead. You want to see mom and dad's heart skip a beat? When they do dishes or they do, they make dinner, say, Mom, thanks for doing, thanks for making dinner. I so appreciate it. We'll be like, what? Right? Don't run off to your room right away. Just say thank you, and then you can go to your room, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, it'll change the dynamic of the relationships that you have if you just begin to express gratitude for the normal things. Just to begin to express gratitude. So this week, and it's a very tangible thing, think of those people that made a difference in your life. If you're married, it's obviously got to start there, but then build it out. Who else are you thankful for? Maybe it's mom. Maybe it's dad. Maybe it's a relationship that you've had with a friend for a long, long time, and they've helped you all along the way in the day when times have gotten tough. Maybe it is the way that, that you've interacted with mom and dad, that they've just helped you all along the way. Find those relationships. And this is going to be a challenge because I don't like to do it either. Throw them a text. Make a phone call. You have no idea how impactful that is. If you just call mom and dad and you haven't called them in a while and say, you know what, dad, I'm just so thankful for you. Mom, I'm so thankful for you. Call your brother, your sister, that friend that you haven't talked to in a while, or maybe it's your coworker that you've been with for 15 or 16 years, and they've helped you get promotions, and they've helped you when times were tough, and they've helped you through your life, and they're not a coworker anymore, they're a friend. Maybe go out of your way when you go into work tomorrow and say, hey, thank you for being my friend. Thank you for being there when I needed you. Thank you for just being part of my life. I appreciate it. And it might feel awkward at first, because we don't express gratitude in that manner that often. But as we saw in the life of Jesus, it's an expectation in the kingdom of heaven that we would be thankful people. So again, challenge you with your spouse and then again with somebody who's close that helped you get to where you are today. Because we don't want to leave behind a trail of responses the way Jesus did. Remember? He said, where are they? We don't want to be those people. We want to be thankful people. We want to be the one that came back and gave thanks to those who helped us get here. So, I would love to pray for you before we sing. Father, we're grateful for you. Ultimately, that's the number one thing that we're all grateful for in this space today. We're grateful for the salvation that your son provided when he died on that cross for us. That he took our place and covered sin that we could not cover. Removed sin that we couldn't wash away. That he stepped into that place. And Lord, we are so grateful for that. 
So, Father, help us carry that gratitude that we have towards you and your son. Help us carry that gratitude outside of this space and turn it into a tangible thing we can do with relationships. Help us remember, Lord, that we wouldn't be in our current position if it wasn't for some people in our life. God, help us say thank you to them. I pray for all the husbands that they would say thank you to their wives and express gratitude for the normal things. I pray for all the wives that they would express gratitude and say thank you to their husbands for all the normal things. And Lord, I pray that for all of us that have those special people, special people that helped us get where we are, that helped us figure something out or just a place we could not have gotten to on our own. Lord, I pray that we would have the courage and the strength to go to them and express gratitude. So Father, we love you. We're thankful for you. And we give you the praise this morning. And everyone said, amen.